Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found. All right. Hey there. Welcome to AF Fireside. I am, I feel like I'm always saying this, but I really mean it. I'm really excited for this episode. Uh, Man Ready Mercantile has uh, a big place in my coming of age story of becoming a heritage uh, jeans and boots guy. Really excited to have Travis Weaver, who's the founder of Man Ready on the podcast with us today. How's it going, Travis? Doing great. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Um, why don't you give us, I mean, why don't we start with a rundown of what Man Ready Mercantile is? I could probably tell the story at this point, but it's best to hear it uh, in, in the Travis voice. Yeah, yeah. So I started the business in 2012 and, you know, I started off by making soy candles and reusable whiskey glasses and I made them in my apartment. I made about 10 at a time and I'd go door to door selling them and I sell them at flea markets and uh, I'd set up at bars and stuff like that on the weekend and sell the candles and um, just really anything I could do to turn a dollar with it and and get the, the name out there. Uh, I picked up a bunch of wholesale accounts really quick uh, because I'd, I'd drive around with the products in the back of my vehicle and I'd hop in the stores and say, hey, I make these candles and you know you want to carry them. And I didn't really know anything about retail or how the, the wholesale process works. So I, I had to uh, really kind of learn on the go. But I uh, created, you know, uh, manready.com and, and uh, kept adding more and more products to it. And the whole idea, uh, it really originated by, I was hung over this one time and I, uh, I'm like, I've got to come alive somehow. I'm like on my deathbed. So I go and <clears throat> get some of my girlfriend at the time, bubble bath and throw it in the bathtub. And I get about four fingers worth of whiskey in a glass and turn on some music. And I'm like trying to get in this tub but like Marilyn Monroe style and come alive. You know, I'm like, you know, lighting candles and spraying stuff in the air. I'm just in hell, you know? And so I, uh, she comes home and throws a fit like, Oh my God, you know, how much do you know how much those candles cost and that bubble bath and all this stuff? I'm like, I don't have any idea. And she starts telling me, I'm like, this is crazy. She goes, go get your own, you know? And I'm like, I, they don't have any stuff like this for guys, you know, like this was 2012. So a lot of stuff's changed now over time, but, so I started looking around and, you know, candles for guys and stuff. And at the time there was like some company called like Mandel or man candle or something. I don't know. And they, the scent smelled like gasoline and the Wrangler blue jeans and spare tires were bacon or something. I'm like, this is crazy. So I'm, it's just odd. And so I'm like, how can I get these products? They're kind of only marketed and sold to women or two people to buy for a woman, how can I kind of twist that and turn it and make it more like 
unisex or gender neutral or whatever the, the terminology is, or, you know, they don't have to be man candles. Why can't they just be a candle that anybody can have or anybody would buy for somebody else, regardless, you know, why are you thinking like this particular product is only for, for women, you know, and bubble bath and bath salts and all this stuff. So I'd make the bubble bath and put it in whiskey bottles and the bath salts and whiskey bottles and all these different things. So I kept making more and more products and add them to the manready.com website. And, uh, again, selling this stuff any, in any outlet that I could. <clears throat> and then I kind of started, it's like, well, what other products could I add to the website? So I started looking around at really cool brands that were pretty much all made in the USA at the time. And we still have a majority of the products from other brands are mostly made in the USA. Um, and I, and I just kept, you know, I'd pick up, I'd pick up some of those products and add them onto the website. So I'd find maybe a, call it a leather worker that's making, you know, hand-stitched leather wallets. It has a lifetime warranty. And so I kind of got in the habit of uh, striving to know who I was working with and what their values were and what their work ethic was and how that, what ingredients did they use? And so we still encompass that to this day with how we run our business. We test the products. We like to know who we're working with, how, where it's made, how it's made. If there's a problem, how do we get it fixed? Who do we contact? I mean, like everything kind of has to be top notch and that's what has evolved over time. Um, as we started, uh, I say we, uh, I, I had met one of my neighbors and he was a graphic designer. Then I met one of my buddies at Whole Foods who I was selling to at the time. I uh, met this guy there. He was doing a, um, like a uh, pop-up, like a demo for some beef jerky company. And I was doing a demo for my products and we got to talking and, um, you know, long story short, he became one of my business partners and we just quick, we were working over at the, uh, my apartment every day after work and we were just wearing each other out. We're on top of each other, you know, fumbling around with all this stuff and the orders were coming through because we're getting all this, you know, kind of press and PR, you know, it's these dudes making these candles in this apartment. We're cranking these things out and I'm having to bribe the, the, the leasing agents with the products because, you know, we're getting like these boxes, like 250 pounds of wax at a time to the leasing office. And they're like calling me up like, uh, Travis, you've got like, you know, a pallet of wax in the leasing office. Can you please come get this right now? And the stuff just kept coming, you know? And so we out needless to say, we outgrew my, my small apartment and we were like, uh, let's, let's try to find a place where we can manufacture and ship this stuff out here uh, locally in Houston. And, um, uh, we somehow found that space. I can't even remember exactly who did or whatever that our, our, our initial first store was in. And, the unique thing about it, it was built in 19, 1910 or 1920 and it's two stories. So we we're like, well, instead of just having a warehouse, we can have, we can make all the products downstairs and we'll sell them upstairs. And by this time we had a lot of other brands on the website and uh, this would be awesome, right? We have a retail outlet. We can actually make more money or whatever, create more jobs, you know? So we, we, we got that space in uh, 2014 and have been there ever since. And then we recently opened a location last year on South Congress in Austin, which was new construction. Um, and it's a really, really neat place. It's, it's smaller, but uh, super cool. Um, and, and a little bit more industrial kind of modern look And the original one in Houston here in the Heights is a, is a real brick and mortar, like the real deal that everybody tries to replicate, you know, and it's got all the brick and mortar issues too, like the leaking roof and the, sure all the problems that come along with it, but it's cool looking and uh, it's got the real, the real deal ambiance. 
that's the full run of the the story as far as you know how things kind of created and um how we got to where we are uh, but it's it's been a journey for sure what was the or, or i guess what were the road signs that told you it was time to start selling other people's products as well like when did you transition into being a retailer slash maker versus just a maker yeah so that was pretty quick so we started in late 2012 making the products and then um got the website up and going i think really what it was i started seeing a lot of people get these other makers they were getting they were coming up and getting featured on like a continuous lean and some of these other you know sites and, and things like that and if you remember back i mean facebook was kind of or was was kind, was a little bit of a thing and then instagram had just got started in that time we weren't even using Instagram. we were people were using twitter and right um that's actually the reason why if you look at our social media it's at man ready m-e-r-c which is short for mercantile well so what the what happened was twitter can only allow will only allow 15 characters well, the name Mercantile is very long, right? So right. anytime you have the name Mercantile behind something, it's going to be a long name. So Man Ready Mercantile, 16. So like, well, let's just shorten it to Man Ready Merc. And for some reason now, people all the time, they come in like, oh, yeah, I'm at, I can hear them talking. Oh, right, on the, they're on the phone. I'm at Man Ready Merc, you know, and <laughs> hey, congratulations, Man Ready Merc on this. And I'm like, well, it's not it's Mercantile, but okay. Um, <laughs> but that's the reason. So we started the Instagram account and we really weren't even using it that much. And we were mostly editing the photos that we were taking with the Instagram editing app. So it was really good. Remember, it was like, it had, yeah, it had yeah. like robust, like really interesting, you know, uh, hues and tints and this and that to where other stuff didn't. So it was a way for us kind of the hack, you know, cause we didn't know how to use Lightroom and all this other stuff. So sure. we were using Instagram to edit our photos that we'd put onto our website. It was so a different really, time. It was a different time. We, so we didn't really care about what the name was on the, on that social media handle and we don't even use twitter anymore but and everything took off with uh with uh with instagram um but to answer your question you know we i guess i, I started seeing all these people coming up you know like imogene and willie and uh, all these different stores a few stores start emerging and and so on and so forth uh um but all these brands were out there and i, I saw this really beautiful documentary on the hillside uh, i don't even know if they're around anymore but they the, the video was focused on this older guy that was making some of their uh i think it was some scars for them and he was making everything on this old shuttle loom and all this and that or and it was just super cool and really just amazing and i was like well you know we should start adding some really amazing brands like that onto the website and kind of have more of an encompassing site than just sort of an apothecary lineup let's make you know let's bring in some you know, some socks and underwear and other stuff that guys need, just basics, right? So we got Rich or Poor uh, as one of my first account retailers for uh, for for the site. Um, and I'm still friends with Tim, uh, the, the co-founder to this day. Um, you know, like Bradley Mountain, um, which has been at American Field with us before. And actually Tyler, the owner, is a very good friend of mine. And we've shared hotel rooms while we were at American Field. Who else? Um, there's a few different uh, like leather companies 
a wooden skill was actually one of them. And he was making leather goods and he was playing around a lot with uh, like Horween shell cardovan. And so I'd do some of the design stuff. He would um, make some of the products or, or I'd say, hey, let's do this and do that. But so we started, we were the ones, to my knowledge, um, that started doing the reversed um, Horween shell wallets and stuff like that. Oh, cool. And uh, if we weren't the first, we were one of the first. We started making some of those and we were selling those and it was kind of the heyday, but we just kept adding these little sort of boutique brands to it. And, and every time we would, we'd just be, you know, we would just sell out of the stuff, you know, and we were, so we were growing together and, and it, we just knew that it didn't need to be all, all apothecary. There was a wide range of people out there. Um, people were asking us about different things and, Hey, what about this? And what about that? So we were doing a lot of leather work ourselves, which I'd grown up doing. Um, and, um, yeah, we just kept looking and we'd see stuff, of course, whenever Instagram was going, you know, we could see all these products that were getting tagged and so on and so forth. So we'd search through that, and like look for the best of the best. So that actually made things a lot more readily accessible. And um, it, so I'm not going to say it was easy whenever we opened the retail store because we didn't really have a whole lot of brands and there wasn't a whole lot in there, period. And we certainly didn't have the money to invest too much in it. We were able to, because of our relationships, we're able to hit up the brands. We're like, hey, we're going to open the store now. So instead of ordering, you know, six pair of socks at a time, Tim, we're going to need quite a bit. But so could you, you know, we didn't even know what 30-day terms meant. We didn't know what terms were, you know. Um, so he was like, oh, I could, make, yeah, maybe I could just send you some products on terms. We're like, what does that mean? Yeah. He's like, well, you have some time to be able to pay it. You know, We're like, oh, cool. So we can bring the products in and then start selling them before we have to pay you back. He's like, yeah, that's hmm. what that means. Terms, <laughs> yeah, 30 day term. It's exactly that's the. So you have to have those. We understood that you have to have this good relationship with people and uh, not burn any bridges. And if for some reason something goes haywire and you can't pay them back in the 30 days, just say, pick up the phone and say, hey, Rick, Bob, Tim, whoever. Uh, I know we got these terms, but things went south this month, blah, 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 blah. Can you give me a little bit more time or something? So those things would pop up here and there because we try to expand into something else and you kind of, one thing would take off and the other thing didn't. And you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to balance this cash flow, and that's always the name of the game in retail, right? Because you, get, you start getting all these different products and you get all these different terms and you're investing more into your own manufacturing and so on and so forth, you know, and you, it's just hard to manage, you know, and it takes a, it takes a it's a full time deal just managing the the, the cash flow. For sure. So we kept those relationships intact the whole time and 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 thriving. And so if we needed a little grace on something, people were there to work with us because we were there to work with them, and we would promote their products. And we knew that other brands or other stores would pick up the brands if we put it on the social media. But we were fine with that, you know. The mm -hmm. world's a big place. We just played well with others and never got into the 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 retail politics because that does exist uh that sure. is for sure we just always played well with others and maybe there was somebody out there that didn't like the way we we're doing things but we tried our best and that to my knowledge they haven't said anything to us <laughs> so we just try to be the good guys <laughs> for yeah, sure. yeah well then you've built quite a name and reputation around uh, both your personal brand and man ready for your ability to curate uh, you know, to curate the shop, curate a vibe, uh, curate a group of people. Uh, very similar before I even went to my first American field as a consumer, I, we met at Liberty Fairs, so I think in 2017. And I was like, I was the, the freshman, <laughs> right? Y'all were the seniors met 
Um, we're talking to Tony from Telesend for a very long time and one no idea, you know, didn't know any of the technicalities. First time I met the Freenote guys, uh, first uh, exposure to Knickerbocker. I wear a watch cap every single day. Remember Mark Albert was probably 19 at the time. Yeah. He was right at the front. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you have any rules of the road that you can share uh, with others that might be interested in pursuing a similar path in terms of curation. Yeah, you know, so people, people hit us up a lot. Um, whether it be coming in the store or phone calls or sliding into our DMs or whatever, um, any any kind of way they can, because they always want to know, you know, what's the what's the magic, you know, what's the secret sauce type of thing. And, sure. and I don't know that there's that there's a, there's one, um, <clears throat> but I think the the biggest thing is is having the story and what you know. In other words, people are going to ask you, you know why did you do this you know uh or what's your what you know what's your reason i mean when i'm up there at the retail store which isn't all the time anymore because i typically do a lot of stuff behind the scenes you know they ask me you know oh this is your place yeah well why did you start it why did you open the store so i could have some just i could flounder around with some story that just sucked or not even have a story at all or uh, you know i asked my parents for a loan because i always liked retail i mean nobody wants to hear that oh where do you have sure. rich parents and you like retail and you like fashion I mean, sure. who's heard that before a million times? Good, I mean, good sounds story. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. So they just, they don't fall in love with that. So you need to have a good, I think you need to have a really valid reason, no matter what you're going to be doing, whether it's selling insurance or cars or whatever, you're, you know, or retail. And so on the curation side, I mean, you know, my deal was I wanted to have the best products out there. And if they're expensive, they're expensive. I mean, that's a relative term, right? Uh, mm -hmm. you said you wear that Knickerbocker watch cap on your head every day. Well, you probably paid whatever, 40 bucks for it or whatever, whatever it costs. Right. And the cents per wear now. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So what's better is, is it better to uh, buy a 200 and whatever free note, uh, jeans go for, we have in our store, I know, $250. Is it better to buy a pair of $250 jeans or two, 250, two pairs of $250 jeans, you got a black pair and you got a blue pair, or is it better to have, you know, six pair of jeans from Gap or, uh, or some just whatever that right. you don't care about. You don't care about the story, how it was made, where it was made. Uh, they end up in a garage sale. You get something on them, you tear them, you put, get paint on them or whatever. You don't care. Grease where you're working on something, you don't care. And you just, just burn through them. You throw them away, you give them the goodwill, you do whatever. So, and they just don't, you know, the, the, the construction is just, they just, the stuff doesn't last. And we all know how these mass produced things just, or the, the construction is just not as good <clears throat> in every which way you can imagine. If you get a hole in some of your products or, or you do a, you blow out a crotch or something to some of these right. jeans from like say Freenode or Ace Rivington or whoever it may be, you send it on to them, they repair them or whatever, or. Right. And it's worth it to maybe, do that. Yeah. And if they don't repair them, maybe you have some, your tailor down the road will repair them, but you're sure as heck not throwing them away. And right. you, you know, that cost per wear is a very important thing. You know, you, on these types of products, you walk a little taller, you are, are actually passionate about the product and, you know, and that's just, so it's a little bit more than just buying the product. You're buying, there's a lot of different things that you're sort of buying there that you're putting your hard earned money into. And I, I tell people a lot of times when they first come in and I know that because they're like, Hey, you know, what brings you in today? Ah, you know, just walking by, I've never been in here. I thought I'd check it out. 
like, cool, well, here's the rundown, you know, give them the elevator pitch real quick. And I just leave them off like, hey, take a look around. I will tell you up front, we are not the cheapest store in the world, but we don't have cheap stuff. Yep. And you can take that however you want to take it. But my thing was, if I was going to have my name on it, I just wasn't going to have one of these stores that just had a, a bunch of stuff in it that we were selling because it was cheap. If that's your reason to curate, hey, I mean, and people do, right? There's these stores out there. I mean, think about it. Um, if you're um, the dollar store, you're curating the cheapest stuff you can curate. Right. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the dollar store. It's the dollar store. <laughs> it's, you know, it's right there, you know? And so here we're just not curating cheap stuff. We're curating more than just a pair of $250 jeans. We're curating the brand, where it's made, how it's made, the whole construction, what kind of rivet, what kind of thread, what kind of, you know, uh, return policy, what kind of uh, repair policy. I mean, the whole thing, we're, we're, we're curating a, um, a much bigger picture. And then once you explain that to people, and that's why we spend so much time training our staff, because we do have a next level type of crew, they, they do their job on and letting people know the rundown whenever people come in, because otherwise, you know, it's like you can kind of give them that, that big department store uh, hello. And there's nothing really wrong with it, but it's kind of goes something like this. Hey, welcome in. My name is Travis. Please let me know if you need a hand with anything at all. That was nice. I mean, nobody's going to give you like a negative Yelp review. Sure. Standard. You didn't stand out. You didn't do anything different. You didn't do anything special. You earned your hourly wage there. And that was it. As opposed to, you know, hey, welcome in. I'm Travis. What brings you in today? Uh, just looking around. Awesome. You're looking for yourself or somebody else. They're kind of like, okay. Uh, looking. Actually, don't even know what I'm looking for. I hadn't even been here before. No problem. And then you give them the spiel and tell them about, hey, we've got anything from you want a $28 basic tee or you want a $78 basic tee that's Pima Cotton or Spima Cotton or whatever it may be. We've got that for you. We're a premium general goods store. Got a lot of great gifts for pretty much anybody. A lot of great stuff for guys. So we've morphed into this sort of uh, premium, like I said, general goods store that's got a little bit of something for everybody. You don't have to be a guy to get the stuff, you know? I mean, you know, uh, it, it, it just... We happen to have some guy clothes, you know, sure. but that's other than that, it's not just so it's kind of a little bit of a tricky subliminal messing with your head type of thing where you see this big man ready mercantile uh, written on the building and then you come in and you're on that downstairs level and you're kind of looking around and you don't really know what's going on you got the staircase to your side and you're like, you know, you got all this kind of like vintage stuff on the walls that I'd collected over the years and all this stuff you're like, what are they a vintage store or you're almost kind of your mind's going a little bit you're a little bit weirded out and a little bit like am i even supposed sure. to be here right and then all you, you know is that it's a cool spot yeah and then you and we kind of it, it kind of was a little a lot deliberate you know and we think about all this stuff and then you got the sign that says you know the store is upstairs you come upstairs and it's like you are morphed back in time 100 years you know sure. and it's, so it's got all of that old nostalgic type of like interesting products you know and you know the the beef jerky and all this, you know, the leather goods and whatever. And, but it's like retrofitted to modern times with, and everything has got a little bit of a spin to it. Mm -hmm. So people are just, you're just like, Oh my gosh, you have, you, you can't buy that feeling whenever people come up there. I mean, you know what I mean? So you can't put a price tag on it. You can't, 
you just had to create it. And uh, so when they turn, when they get up those stairs and they turn their head and they're just like overwhelmed, that's the moment that they know they're in something really special. And whenever, when you're curating these things or coming up with whatever business idea, it's what you got to really dig down into. Are you, are you wanting to sell something like we were talking about earlier? You know, what's the reason? Is it, you just want to, you want to sell the best of the best? Do you want to sell couture clothing that's, that's endorsed by, uh, you know, a celebrity and that's your angle? You, uh, I mean, you got to really own your reason because people are going to ask you. They're going to ask you in an interview. They're going to ask you when you open with the press. If you're that type of place, they're going to ask you in a podcast. If you get to that point, I mean, they're going to they're going to have it. You better have it, and it's got to be real because I'm going to tell you right now. You're, I see people come and go all the time, and these stores open up, and they got the big flag hanging in there like we've got, and they've got the the bench in front of it like we've got, and they've got sure. the buffalo on the in the caribou and all this stuff, and it looks. I'm like, well, there's another shop that kind of looks pretty much like ours and you look at the products and it's like well you're ordering the same stuff i mean was your passion just to take another i mean i don't, I don't want to come across the same way here but and i'm flattered i guess but like was your so your was was your passion just to have a store like our like somebody else's was that sure was that your reason you know i mean it's just kind of odd sometimes yeah. you know and so i don't want that to be taken the wrong way but it definitely you can just you sort of see from the like a ten thousand foot view that it's like well you just wanted to get sure. in and kind of you didn't you weren't really thinking on your own and that, well, it that sounds kind of, sounds like a a very similar sentiment uh, that I think I've gathered from a lot of the conversations I've had with brands that have been around for a while. I'm just going to say vaguely a while. I think specifically about the conversation that I had with DN 1920. Really, just boils down to like you got to you got to know who you are. And you got to stick to it. You know, there's a, it's not the same thing as saying stay in your lane. I don't think stay in your lane is necessarily the right thing, but you got to know who you are and you got to make decisions that go along with that. Um, so I, I look to you guys, uh, you know, as a, as an industry leader in, in figuring that out and being consistent. Uh, last question that I have for you before we wrap up, I'm wondering, I, I know you're a, a king of one-liners, quotable one-liners. I'm wondering if you have, uh, any wisdom that you'd like to impart on the today's customer in terms of something that you think they should know about what it's like to be a retailer? Yeah, I don't know if I could put that in one line on the spot. <laughs> there's a lot There's a lot going on what it takes to be a retailer these days. Um, you know, I think that I, I think we kind of hit a lot of it just on having and knowing what your reason is behind what you're doing and whether it be in retail or anything else and having that pretty refined and having that in a, in a quick elevator pitch for, for people. Um, you know, I honestly, that's one of those, it's a very simple question, but it has so many moving parts. Yeah. I think knowing um, that, that stay in your lane kind of things very, is very interesting. And I'm going to explore it. Cause I wrote that note down whenever you mentioned that about what that really means. And, uh, but I think, I think coming up with the next thing is always kind of the, the retailers. Cause I, during last year, I saw a lot of people, you know, um, not a lot of them were coming, but a lot of them were going, um, sure. unfortunately, uh, because of everything. So I don't think they, and I don't know if how I like this word pivoted, but people, you know, talk about pivoted, pivoted. Sure. Little, little overdone now, a little overdone. <laughs> we we, we might've broken that one. 
<laughs> I would call, I would call, because we have a lot of retailers that buy our products, thank goodness. I would call, uh, you know, I try to make about five phone calls a week, uh, sometimes more depending on time, because we were pivoting ourselves. And I'd call them up and I'd say, what, what are y'all doing during this time? You know, here's what we're doing. What are y'all doing? share our, you know, you know, we want to share info. We want people to do well, you know, and I was talking about having people that kind of had stores that looked like ours. I don't, I don't really care, I, to be honest with you. I mean, everybody can do their own thing. It, it's kind of, um, we laugh about it and we go on, you know, sure. so I, I want people to do well, no matter what, right. I mean, to be honest. No, with you. Nothing's but, original in 2021. Let's be real. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> everything's out there. I, I wish them all the best. Um, but anyway, I would call, uh, I'd call up some of these owners and I'd ask them like, what are you doing? And uh, oh man, you know, I've been drunk the whole time and I've watched the entire Netflix. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm like looking at my clock, you know, my watch. And, you know, it's 7.30 at night. We've been working since eight in the morning trying to figure out curbside and FaceTiming with customers to do custom boxes and corporate gifting and all these other things that we're trying to like scrape and claw our way out of just to be able to like pay rent and pay, keep everybody on payroll and all this stuff. Like, like, that's what you're doing. Like, I don't think that people realize, you know, the amount of work that it takes to do retail, the amount of hours you have to put in, you could work 40 hours a week and you will fail. You could work 50 hours a week and you will fail. You could work 60 hours a week and you will fail. Maybe when you get to around 70, you can kind of, kind of have an idea that you're you're headed in the right direction sure and you have to know that you're going to be probably working seven days a week or you will fail i mean it's just i don't think that people understand that reality is a very tough business um you know uh when you're selling the products at msrp i mean we're not marking up any prices on products i mean if i buy this thing for five dollars and i sell it at their msrp of eight dollars or whatever the manufacturer's retail price that three dollars I make off of it or whatever it may be I'm not that doesn't go straight into a bank account right I had to pay a credit card processing fee and dumpster and the fire extinguish the electric all the stuff so if you have like 10 percent left over from that whole deal that means 30 cents out of that whole transaction the whole thing getting that product there then you're you're kind of doing pretty good Sure. And I don't know that people really understand the amount of work that goes into that on, on the kind of the, the higher level, I would say that we kind of, you know, with the type of products and stuff like that, that we carry. I mean, it's just, it's not easy. Um, and I think people dramatically underestimate the amount of attention to detail you have to put into every single thing from your flyer to your sign, to your, to your staff training, to your return policy, to how you handle and talk about when there's a customer issue, because they're going to come up, whatever it may be. Thank God we don't have a lot of them. Um, and, it, you know, because uh, all this thing changes, these things multiply as you get bigger, right? You get that, For you sure. want that traffic to your website, then what happens whenever you have all that traffic to your website? Right. You've got these products coming and going all over the world and something doesn't get delivered here and all this stuff, right. you know, and it's peak season and the, you know, the, the holiday rush, you're just getting your ass handed to you. More money, more problems, I think they more say. More money, more problems. <laughs> so I would say don't underestimate the amount of work that it takes to get to that level that you think you want to be at. Because if you don't are not realistic with it, you are not going to get it and you're going to lose whatever money you're putting into it. It will happen. And uh, it's just a, the harsh reality. And um, have the story, have the valid reason, have the the background in that and, and own it. And um work well with your peers 
Uh, don't ever uh, be that type of person that does not play well with others because that word travels fast to the manufacturers, to your neighbors, to the other store owners. And if you just kind of, you, you're not like blacklisted, but you're definitely, you become one of those people that's just a pain and uh, it just makes your life miserable because we all kind of run the same circles. Like you listed off several brands and those are ironically off. I, I know all of those yeah. owners personally, you know, Andrew at Knickerbocker, you know, Matt and Andrew at, free note, you know, all the, you know, market American field. I mean, all these different people. And what happens if you get that reputation of just going to be a pain in the ass or whatever, and you didn't pay this person or you were taking their ideas and all this stuff, you just kiss it all goodbye. So yep. all that work that you were doing, you just make a few of those little mistakes there and you're toast and uh, it's just gone. So you now you're, you know, mowing yards or selling used cars or whatever you can do to sure. <laughs> you know, because that little deal didn't work out too well and you're in the hole and sued by your landlord. So you got to be real careful. Not easy. Very easily underestimated. Um, just got to put a lot of thought into it. And every single little attention to detail and don't over don't overstep in any any of those ways because it'll just come back to, to bite you in the butt. And then you're starting over trying to figure out the next thing. Well, you're doing it, though. You've made it work. One day at a time. <laughs> One day at a time. Travis, where's the best place for uh, folks that want to learn more to keep in touch with, with the brand? Yeah. So if you're in Austin, check us out there on South Congress. If you just search Man Ready Mercantile, it'll come up with the address. Same thing in Houston. Um, and then you can, of course, uh, check us out on manready.com. We'll ship right to your door. We've got Nick over there that's shipping every day. And um, yeah, stay up with us on our Man Ready M E R C uh short for mercantile instagram account and ah uh, yes facebook. i remember that <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to we we have manry mercantile as well on instagram and sure. um i'm like trying to figure out how we what do we change this thing over what do we do i don't know again one of one of those things that's one day at a time so sure. maybe i'll it's talk a, to you in it's a private a conversation about <laughs> what do i do here i need some advice you know it's a precious memory thing. <laughs> and that's another thing. Don't don't be afraid to ask for advice with, for people. I mean, I see people all the time that's so hard headed, you know, sometimes. And I'm just like, man, you know, you have so many contacts. Why don't you just ask some of these people or, you know, like if you don't figure out how to make them, because I mean, you're going to need some help along the way on some yeah. of this stuff. I'm telling you. Yeah. So I might be picking your brain about what to do with this man ready merc. <laughs> it's been on my mind for a while. I just haven't had time to mess with it. But. Well, there we go. We've come full we'll circle. Go. Appreciate you your time, Travis. Look forward to talking again soon. Of course, my friend. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found 